we have a great church at uh, in Northern California, Westside Church, and we wanted to bring them all here to meet you. And some of them wanted to come. They tried to come at the last minute, but we brought David and Ashley. We got them to come tonight. So <laughs> thank you guys for coming. Um, but I want to introduce some of them to you. So some of you are going to be stand-ins for me tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So whoever has one of those papers, come up. Just hold the paper like this. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything, but I'm just going to introduce you. All right? I'm going to introduce you. All right, just just uh, these. Oh, man, we got a lot of people from Westside here tonight. Okay. <clears throat> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go fast. But, but see, I'm going to just tell their story briefly in a sentence or two. I'm going to tell their story. I don't want you to try to mem- remember who they are, but just so you can say, okay, we met some of Westside uh, uh, people, and I, wanna, I want you to know that these stories are like your stories. There's a lot of stories in here. God's done some amazing things in here. I've heard some of the stories of this church. Uh, does anybody know who uh, Mordecai Ham is? Very famous person. You know who he is? Anybody? I could make it up. You, nobody knows who he is. Okay. <laughs> Mordecai Ham is the guy who led Billy Graham to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Somebody led you to the Lord or was instrumental in leading you to the Lord. And so we have a lot of folks who have come to Jesus at our church. I just want to introduce them. This is Jenna. She was a teenager. She babysat uh, for a family because they had a young child. And because she babysat for them, uh, the other family saw her Christian testimony and uh, were encouraged to come to the Lord. This is Deborah. She's a, a woman in our church who prayed for her husband for over 15 years. Finally, one Easter three years ago, his hand shot up. And it wasn't a shy hand. It was a hand that's up. And so God answered her prayer. This is Craig. He's a policeman, uh, Highway Patrol, California Highway Patrol. And uh, he uh, gave his heart to Christ. And he's representing the justice of God in the marketplace. But he does it with grace. And he's led several of his co-workers to the Lord. This is Tyler. He went through a horrific accident as a teenager. He was involved in an accident that resulted in a lady dying. He was at, a, um, he was at one of those paintball uh, places doing the thing. And the, the cylinder on his gas thing, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but the cylinder for the paintball thing, uh, it had a faulty valve. And as he was unscrewing it, it flew off like a torpedo. And the birthday kid's mother hit her in the head, and she died on the spot in front of all these uh, 14 year, 15-year-olds. And uh, our young people at our church surrounded him with love. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And now he's a deacon in our church. And he leads our children's ministry about 10, 12 years later. So um, this is Tad. He's, he's a young guy in our church. He's an adventurer. He's a missionary. He goes to Africa. He's been, you know, all over the place. He's one of those. He's an artisan for those of you guys. He'll fix things and get things in there, fix things. with. He's like MacGyver. He'll fix things with bubble gum and, and duct tape. And, and, uh, but he loves the God and he, uh, he loves God and he's serving God in his sphere of influence. This is Pam. Pam was an alcoholic. God delivered her from alcoholism. And um, she's a, a gracious uh, uh, person who loves the Lord. She's now one of our elders' wives, and she is very gracious and invites many people into the life of the church. This is Joe. Joe, I met him uh, about uh, 13 years ago. Joe was a football fanatic. His wife dragged him to church, and uh, he met me. He's a nice guy, very capable, high-up executive. Uh, type, but he loved football, and he told his wife, I'll go this once, but he goes, I'm not giving up football like this. 
And so he came on a Sunday, he met me, and I spoke something that week that just kind of grabbed him, and he has not missed a Sunday since. <laughs> Gave his heart to Christ, learned how to use his DVR, and um, <laughs> that's why God invented those. And uh, he, he loves the Lord. This is Kenny. Kenny is a young man in the church who had cancer. When he was a young man as a teenager, it came back, and he had stage four cancer. Uh, Jesse Mason was at our church, and uh, he taught some guys how to pray for people. One of the older guys in our church, uh, under Jesse's instruction, prayed for Kenny, and God healed him. He stopped his chemo, and he has had it since in almost 10 years. And he's a deacon. He's leading our junior high. He is crazy. And so... <laughs> This is Janelle. Janelle was a young Jewish girl, grew, grew up in a synagogue, grew up with a Jewish family, was afraid to come into a Christian church. She, her husband finally brought her in, and she sat there for a while, week after week, for several months, and finally she gave me a hug at the door, and she goes, you know when you were praying at the end? She said, I said yes to Jesus today, and I meant it. And she, she loves the Lord, a young a soccer mom. This is Jeff. Jeff is a four-wheel drive fanatic. And we have a four-wheel drive club in our, in our church. And that's one of our outreaches. We do big uh, four-wheel drive family camp outs in the Sierras. No drinking. And, uh, you know, it's just a family-oriented event and thing, things like that. And uh, we were having a picnic in front of our church. And all our four-wheel guys were lined up against our little, we have a little hill there. And he goes, this is a four-wheel drive thing. And he pulled in. And they said, no, it's just a picnic. Come on in. We'll introduce you around. And they hooked him. And then it was about four or five months ago he gave his life to Christ fully and completely. This is Joey. Joey's a young uh, scientist in our, uh, and a mathematician in our church. He's a deacon. He loves God. His friends brought him to church when he was in high school. And he gave his life to Christ. And he's one of those steady people that is there faithfully serving in several areas at once. He and his wife are deacons. This is Tina. Tina and her husband are winemakers. They own a winery in our area, award-winning uh, winemakers. And uh, somebody invited her to church at the grocery store. One of our people invited her. They overheard two ladies saying, I don't, we don't know where to go to church. And, you know, we're looking for a good church. And she, and somebody, one of our ladies walked over to Tina and said, I know a perfect church for you. And so they brought them. And now Tina and her husband uh, have invited, single-handedly invited more people to our church than any other five families combined uh, because God gripped them. They were brand new believers and they've grown tremendously in that time. And now they're, they're not leaders in the church, but they're leaders in the community and impacting their sphere of influence. This is Patty. Patty had a horrible story. Uh, many years ago, she and her girlfriend were walking, and they were taken at gunpoint, kidnapped, and, her, and they were both shot and left for dead. Her girlfriend died, and uh, Patty was left uh, in the ground, covered with rocks, with two bullets in her head, somehow managed to uh, get out of that walk and get some help. And uh, through that experience, she was a brand new believer. Through that experience, she learned the incomparable forgiveness of God and the goodness of God. It is amazing to see a transformed life with something horrific happen to you and many people coming to Christ through that. Um, this is Mike. Mike is one of those guys who sits at the back row with his arms folded like this. He sat in church. His wife brought him to church. Uh, and, and so he sat, he obliged, and he sat in the back of the church for a year and a half hearing the gospel week after week after week. And he's one of those skeptical guys. You've got to prove it to me. You've got to show it to me. And finally, God gripped his heart and he gave his life to, 
to Christ. Now he's our worship leader and, and one of our elders. So um, this is Joan. Joan is, uh, is a, um, oh, she's about 80 now. Sorry. So when she was 70, she and her husband came to our church, and we have a new, new members class. And we go through, you know, what we believe and where we've come from, where we're headed, and, you know, just to let people uh, come on board and, you know, what, what we're about and ask questions. And so Joan um, is sitting on the front row. It's, I was like, I'm right here, and I'm going through the plan of salvation. Okay, this is what we believe, blah, 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 like this. And all of a sudden, God goes, one of these things, just right upside the head. He goes, what are you doing? And I go, what? Like this, you know, like a teenager talking to their dad. And he goes, slow down. So I go, like this. And I look. Joan sitting right here and she has tears in her eyes. I said, Joan, what's going on? She goes, I've heard this all my life. I've been in church all my life. I'm 70 years old and I never understood it till now. Isn't that amazing? So at 70 years old, I said, Joan, do you want to give your life to Jesus right now? She goes, I do. And her husband sitting next to me. I, I do. A week later, we baptized them and li- living for Jesus. Joan's husband passed away last year. Uh, Tom, but she has the joy of Jesus on her heart. That is a miracle for an older person to come to, come to Christ. This is uh, little Olivia. She's just a, a young uh, girl in our church. She's grown up in the church, and she loves the Lord. And that's the great, great testimony is people who grow up in the church. Sometimes people think, oh, we have to have a big story to make an impact. No. They just impact and grow up in the life of the church. And a victorious testimony is kids growing up, and they don't have to fall away. Sometimes they do, uh, but they don't have to. And they can power on without skipping a beat all the way through into making a difference for the king and the kingdom. Amen? Amen. All right. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Hold on to those. Don't throw them away. Okay. Sorry, that took a little bit longer. and uh, But now you know a few of our West Side, West Side peeps. If you have a Bible, you can turn into Luke chapter 15. If not, it should be on the overhead. And these guys aren't used to my preaching, so sometimes I go through points real fast, and sometimes they're going, where is he? No, I haven't gone to the next point yet. So uh, anyway, you guys uh, are doing a good job. Luke 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus preach. Lord, open up this scripture to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Okay, tax collectors and notorious sinners. Tax collectors were Jewish guys who turned their backs on their own countrymen and collected taxes for the Romans and charged double or triple or quadruple. They were traitors to their people. They were hated. And they were standing around and Jesus was talking to them. Notorious sinners. Hell's angels. That's what comes to my mind. They're not just sinners. They're notorious sinners. All right? So you got tax collectors, and the closest thing to them today is the mafia. So the mafia guys and the hell's angels were sitting around listening to Jesus. No, seriously, this, I'm not stretching it. This, these were the kind of people that followed Jesus. And so it says, they often came to listen to Jesus preach. Isn't that amazing? Anybody, any hell's angels here this morning? Anybody in the mafia? They wouldn't say it. There's no mafia. No, so anyway. So, all right? These guys came to listen to Jesus. So I hope that we have some impact into the world there. Um, This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. That would not happen in this church. 
This couple loves you. This is a safe place to be. This couple and their team, they will take you in. They will love you. They will lead you. They will teach you. They will guide you. And they'll let you encounter Jesus in your own journey. But they will make a way. They'll open doors for you. This is a safe place. This is where you want your kids to grow up. This is the marriage that you want to model in this in this place. And, and this is the people, the, the religious people weren't doing that. They were judging these other people. So there wasn't a lot, a lot uh, of good stuff going on here of this crowd. So Jesus told them the story. So he just talks to all of them. The religious people, the legalist people, the hell's angels, the mafia. So he tells them this story. So that's the crowd. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost. Sounds like a math question to me. All right. The beginning of a math question. All right. What will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others and go into the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. So if you have your Bible, he, he, one of them gets lost. I would underline that word lost. We're talking about the lost tonight. And then it says he'll go and search. I'd underline search. And the one that is lost until. I'd underline until or whatever the word is in your Bible there. Until he finds it. And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry, underline, carry it home. So the, the shepherd will leave the 99 in a safe place, go and search for the one until he finds it, and then carry it home. All right, this is a parable, a story that Jesus is telling. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call his friends together and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, Jesus said, There's joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are supposedly righteous. That's the connotation there. Supposedly righteous, supposedly good in heaven straight away. But there's joy in heaven over one. When Joan at 70 years old gave her life to Christ, I'm telling you it was a headlines. Instead of USA Day, it was heaven today. Joan gives her life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's a great story. So, Here's our, here's our, uh, this is not a complete Bible study. This is an exhortation. It's a word of encouragement for you as a church. I believe God has positioned this church and poised this church for, to make an impact. And it's like, it's like, um, I got to do this backwards because you're looking at me. It's like you start over here and you kind of, you're kind of invisible and you're working on this graph and you're working on your integrity, you're working on consistency. And, and, and finally, when people kind of see that, they see a track record, then you kind of turn the curve. It's like a graph. And at this corner here, then you start to see visibility. But there's a lot of groundwork first that's, that it has to take place. And I say that quite a bit has been taking place. It'll continue. There'll be more groundwork. But it's kind of like there's going to be more visibility and, and it's not going to happen with just this couple. This couple can draw a crowd this big. But to draw a crowd of what God wants this church to be and the impact in this region he wants, it's going to take all hands on deck. All right? Okay. So the status is many are lost. You got friends that are lost? Family? Neighbors? Classmates? Coworkers? Now, if you say the word lost to them, they usually are offended. Lost? You know, like, what are you talking about? But our reference is... They don't know Jesus, okay? So tax collectors and other notorious sinners came to listen uh, to Jesus teach. They were hungry. They weren't just curious about Jesus. They were hungry. And, and they weren't arguing with Jesus. The, the sinners, they didn't have a, a hidden agenda. They didn't come to seek a blessing per se. They, just, they were just acknowledging their need. I, 
I'm hungry. I, there's something that's not right here. And so the tax gatherers and sinners were there. And so when Jesus, listen to this, when Jesus preached a message of forgiveness and, and of freedom from sin and hope in his kingdom, of course people would flock to him. Of course a, a, a crowd would come to him because people are searching, people are hungry. Sometimes in their indifference, they don't think they do. And right now, it may not be ripe yet. So just pray for them and just keep loving them. But they will. They'll come. And so Jesus told them uh, the story of the lost sheep. So that's the status. A lot of people are lost. There's a lot of people lost. There's a lot of people sitting in churches. Most people in in America go to church on Sunday. There's a few radical Saturday night churches around. We Our first weekend service at our church is on Thursday night. It's identical to Sunday morning. We have two on Sunday morning and one on Thursday night. So if you really want to get out of town early, come on the Thursday night service. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of people sitting in churches that think they're doing the right thing. But it's not about doing the right thing. It's about knowing the one, having a relationship with the one who will change your life and you'll never be the same. And so... Uh, our task that Jesus gave us is to go get them. Go get them. Now, I'll tell you what. The gospel is a come and see and a go and tell. Some people say, no, we're supposed to go and tell. Go in all the nations do this. Yeah, you're right. Some people say, well, we're, we want to invite people to Jesus so they can come and see and experience God. Yes. The woman at the well went into town and she said, Come and see what Jesus did for me. Jesus' great commission was go and tell. I mean, there's there's all kinds of room there. It's not either or. Let's just do it. And so get out there. Won't he leave the 99 others and search for the lost? Uh, go and search for the one that is lost. Okay, a little sidebar. My wife's an attorney, so a little sidebar, a little bit of legal lingo here. And so uh, a little a little side message here. Why do people get lost? Why do sheep get lost? Well, if you're a shepherd, you'd probably know these reasons. One, they could be attracted by something out in the wilderness. Something more exciting. You know, here all the sheep are in their, in their um, you know, they're just eating their grass. And then a butterfly comes along or something, the sound comes and somebody pricks their ears up, they go walking over there. First um, John 2.16 says, For the world offers... Only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, the pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. The King James, you know what that is? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. You know what? Sin is fun. That's why people do it. Why do you think people sin? It's fun. But it doesn't last. It's shallow and it's empty. And after a season, you're left with nothing. You're left worse off than before. But it's fun for a while. So these little sheep get distracted out there. Or two, they're aimless, wandering about, not paying attention. You take some green grass here, you're chomping away, and it's greener over here, and you chomp away, and and you go over here, right? And all of a sudden you look up, and you don't see anybody. You're all by yourself. Did you ever get lost as a kid? That's a horrible feeling. That's a horrible feeling. 1 Peter 5.8 Watch out. Stay alert. It says, Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
See, a sheep who's distracted and lost doesn't even know it yet. They don't even know they're lost. So a lot of times lost people say, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about, lost. Or three, sometimes um, they were in the fold and they refused to listen to the warnings of the shepherd or the other sheep. Sometimes your friends, other sheep, or the shepherd will give an, a warning. Fluffy, get back here. You know, you're straying away. And so Hebrews uh, thirteen seventeen says out of the message, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Your leaders, people that are your friends in the Lord, they are watching out for you. Particularly the pastors, the elders of, of, a, of a local church, they are gate, gatekeepers. They're watchmen. They're watching out for you. You know, the thing is, at the end of the age, your pastors have to give an answer for you. You don't have to give an answer for your pastors. That's how it is. They have to give an answer for those that God gave to them. They have to give an answer. You don't have to give an answer for them. If you're a true pastor, if you're a true elder, that scares you to death. It's a huge responsibility. It's a weight that is on your shoulders because the spiritual condition of your flock is on your shoulders. And you bear that burden. Pray for your pastors, please. And listen to what they say. Um, and in the home, it's their pastors are their parents. Parents, you have that weight. God gave those kids to you to watch over. Or four, they could be lost because they're not attached to the shepherd or the other sheep. They stray off, they're eating, and they want to get away. They want to kind of get away. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Or five, they don't trust the shepherd. They don't think that the shepherd has their best in mind or their highest in mind. And they don't think they'll take care of them. Or they're not really, no, better food's over here. And the shepherd's going, no, we're all going this way. And they don't understand that the shepherd is, in, is representing God to them, that God is always good. He's only good. Some people don't understand the goodness of God. They think, why is there so much evil in the world? Why are there things so bad? They don't understand that God is good. Sometimes young people, I used to be a high school teacher and high school principal and and they'd say, why is there so much hunger in the world if God is so good like this? And I said, that's not the right question to ask. And they go, what? I said, well, Americans uh, spent twice as much last year on beer commercials as it would take to feed the entire third world. Japanese spent twice as much on entertainment expenses as it would take to feed the entire third world. Uh, Germans spent more on cigarettes than it would cost to provide basic medical care for the whole third world. Not an HMO, basic medical care. So the question is not why doesn't God do it, why don't we do it? You know, God's given us the tools and the wherewithal. And the, the worst one was four times as much money Americans spend on their dogs and cats than it would take to feed uh, the entire third world. It's, it's our choice. It's not God's choice. God's given us everything we need to make those decisions. So... But God is always for our best. You know, when my kid was little, Brian, he was one of those kids that climbed on everything. He was all over the place. He was always running. You know, you really had to watch him close. And so he's two or so. And we're training him. We're training him not to run in the street. Why? Because we want him to live. <laughs> all right? We don't want him to die. It's for his good. So, so he, he starts to run off in the street one time. I remember this. And so I reach down, grab him, pull him out. There's a car coming like this. 
the look on his face at me like I was the cruelest person in the entire world. I could just see it, back it up in slow motion. There's something I see across the street. I'm going to run for it. There's a big hand coming over my shoulder, grabbing my hand. I'm being twisted out against my will, pulled away from where I want to go. And I'm back here like this. And I get a glance of this big face up here. And it's you, Dad. And like, you know, you've let me down. You don't let me do this stuff. And all I'm thinking is, I don't want you to die. My motivation is is love for him. But sometimes we think, oh, God's allowing this in my life because he's this big cruel thing. No, he loves you. Now, I'm not saying that God causes evil. Evil is the result of sin, and Satan is the author of evil. I'm not talking about that, but sometimes God lets us go through things, or if we do go through things, he always works good out of it uh, to those who love him. So, back to our main thing. Uh, The shepherd searches until he finds it. It says he'll leave the 99 others and go search for the one that's lost. That means when we have somebody who God has put on our mind, maybe it's a friend. Maybe you're driving down the street and you're thinking, where's Sally? I haven't seen Sally in a long time. Let me give you a big hint. Trust that that's the Holy Spirit talking to you to go talk to that person. We can text them, we can Facebook them, we can phone them, we can actually go see them and say, I miss you. How are you doing? We can love them. We can serve them. And so go search for them. Keep on. Persevere. Don't give up. I know so many people. This um, Deborah prayed for her husband for so many years uh, to come to come to the Lord. It is amazing. Stick with it. Don't let go. Don't be weary in well-doing. How do we... How, this is a sidebar of the sidebar. Um, how to love and, and reach and search for the lost. We have those notes up there. How to love... I wonder if I don't remember if I left them in there. Okay, here's how to here's how to reach the lost. Make friends with them, listen to their story, and ask the Holy Spirit for a strategy. Make friends with people. Be friendly. You got to meet people uh, to to introduce them to Jesus. A- and make friends. Listen to them or listen to their stories, and then ask the Holy Spirit uh, for a strategy. And, and number three, the shepherd then carries it home. This is amazing. Verse 5, when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. You know, sometimes when you go find the sheep, you're so happy, you're, you're carrying it home. And we, we see pictures. Let's throw, that first, uh, let's throw that first picture up there. This one. You've all seen that picture like this. Isn't that beautiful? It's a nice little pastel painting of Jesus carrying the sheep, and he's smiling, and he's carrying it all the way home. When you find a sheep, sometimes sheep aren't that clean. It's hard work. Here's the, here's a real picture of a shepherd taking his sheep home. It's like 120 degrees out. The underside of the sheep is sweating on his neck. It's heavy. He's moving around all over the place. It's stinky. It's not easy. Sometimes it's a, it's a hard job of bringing somebody back into health and wholeness and into the household of God and to to teach them and, and to lead them and to pray for them and walk them through uh, uh, you know, addiction withdrawals and it doesn't matter what it is or, or financial ruin or, or, or horrendous hurts and things like this, but to walk those people through and you'll carry it until they come home. Does that make sense? I love those pictures. Um, here's the result of this little story that Jesus told. The result is joy in heaven. He goes on to say uh, the next parable, or suppose a woman has ten 
silver coins and loses one? Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she'll call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. I love that story. I'm going to bring a conclusion in just a moment, but here's what I want to do. I want to ask my West Side peeps to come back up here. Okay, we're a little tight on here, so I hope you get the idea. Um... We're going to start with Jenna. Jenna was down here. She was babysitting a little girl. Olivia, come down here. Everybody else, make their way down. As I pull somebody over here, you guys just scoot down. All right? Just shuffle down. It was a little girl that Jenna babysat. Jenna, uh, Olivia's parents happened to be jo- Pam and Joe. Joe. Where's Joe? Pam and Joe. You got to shuffle down. So Olivia's parents were Pam and Joe. They had never been to church before. So they said, we want our daughter to grow up like that teenager. So we're going to go to the church where that teenager goes. So they come and they get saved right away. They didn't even know anything about God. Pam goes, I've never, I've never heard that Mary was a virgin. Where? I have never heard that in my life. Is that true? And we said, yes, it is. But he, he, these two people... Our first couple in our church that got saved when we planted 13 years ago and they said yes to Jesus every day they said yes Lord you've heard the song yes Lord yes Lord yes yes Lord success in the kingdom growth in the kingdom maturity in the kingdom is not a one time I said yes to Jesus 40 years ago so now I've achieved I've achieved I've attained no it's little bit by little bit it's thousands and thousands of yeses so now they're on our eldership team and they're impacting uh, Christ for the kingdom so Joe take a little bit of a step behind Pam Pam come over just a bit Pam's at the grocery store and she overhears Joan where's Joan Joan, 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 over here. Joan's trying to find out where to go to church. Where should she go to church? So she overhears Pam. Pam invites Joan. Joan's 70 years old. She gets saved right away. One of Joan's friends, Tina, over here, Tina, uh, she brings her to church, and they're making a huge impact for the kingdom. And, um, okay, this is going is to spring from Jenna over here. So Jenna is a young girl who loves God passionately. She wants to make a difference in the kingdom. She's in high school. So she gets Tad to come and be... He's a young man who loves God. And there's no connection there romantically or anything. They're just great friends and they want to serve Jesus. And they are the nucleus of a new uh, um, uh, youth program at our church. You know, young people on fire for Jesus. So Tad, he works at a... um, Let's see, how are we going to do this? Um, Okay. We're just going to have to do it. You're going to have to connect. Okay, you'll have to figure it out. Tad is working at a paintball place when a young kid has a huge accident. So Tyler uh, gets connected to Tad. Tad's several years older than Tyler. And so uh, so uh, Tad brings Tyler to church, surrounds them with some of the other guys. They lead Tyler to the Lord. Tyler's two best friends are uh, Kenny and Joey. So they've been best friends since junior high. So he brings them to church. They get saved. Uh, Kenny gets healed from cancer. All three of those, three amigos, are all deacons in the church now, Tyler, Kenny, and Joey. And so, uh, where are we now? 
Joe, who's over here, he's going to step out in front now. Pam, Joe's friend, he's going to befriend Craig. Craig's the highway patrolman. So their daughters are at school together. So Joe invites Craig to church. Craig is the highway patrolman, and his wife is Deborah. He didn't know that Deborah was praying for him to get invited by Joe. Craig gives his life uh, to the Lord. And um, because Craig loves four-wheel drives, Craig soon starts a four-wheel drive club. So Jeff comes in over here, gets connected to Craig. Jeff comes to Christ. Jeff's wife is Janelle. He drags her to church. She's a little Jewish girl that gets saved. And we're all done here. Except for... Jenna's mom and dad, Mike and Patty. So go stand by your daughter. Jenna's your daughter. She's the young girl who grew up in a Christian home. That Christian home was the result of a horrific accident, a horrific crime against Patty's girlfriend who was murdered, Patty who was abducted, kidnapped, left for dead. Patty found forgiveness. comes to church she can't drive for a year and a half because of her injuries she drags her cerebral husband to church he sits and hears the gospel over and over and over he gives his life to Christ they commit their life to Christ then their first child is born Jenna and they raise her up in a Christian home and you see the thread now it's overwhelming how much God loves us. And the thing is, each one of us has a thread like that. We may not know it. There was just a miracle that God highlighted this to me. One day it just went boom like this. And I saw how God intricately uses... I mean, Patty never set out to, to be instrumental in this. Jenna never did. Tyler didn't know he'd wake up one day and, and have an accident and, and all these things. And, and, and uh, Jeff didn't know he'd be driving by the church and see some four-wheel things and jump out there and that would change his life. But I'm telling you, if we will just represent Jesus every moment of every day, let Him bring the connections in. Let His Spirit come in and change people. Let's just do our job. Let's be steady. Let's be the ones uh, that are making a difference in people's lives. Amen? Amen. All right. Thanks, you guys. You can be seated. So, we're almost done here. On the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to Jesus. Have you ever seen 3,000 people come to Christ in your church? I haven't. But I'm waiting for that day. I'm waiting for that day. But until that day, until that day, every two seconds, or I'm sorry, every second, two people die around the world. In the United States, one person dies and slips into eternity every six seconds. Until that day when 3,000 come, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to try as much as possible to represent. I will never be satisfied. I'll never be satisfied with an empty chair next to me in church. There should be somebody there hearing about Jesus. I don't know if you ever saw the, the movie. It's kind of brutal. Uh, Schindler's List. It's, it's a very uh, poignant movie. But at the end, there's this scene when 
the allies come in and, and the war's over and uh, the Jews all come out. The Germans have all scattered and the Jews all come out of the prison and, and uh, Schindler's there with his car and he goes, what is this? Where, where is it? And they said, it's over. The war's over. And, and he, he kind of stumbles back. He gave his life. He gave his fortune to save these people. Uh, 1,200 some people. Uh, he had to buy their freedom. And, and he kind of stumbles back like it's over because he almost lost his life. And and he, he stumbles back against his car and, and he touches his car and he goes, I could have sold this car and gotten three more. And he's, he's holding his hand out. He sees his ring. He goes, I could have sold this ring and got one more. You know what? I, I never want to be satisfied by not doing enough, by not telling people about Jesus, by being so self-centered that it's all about me. It's not about me. It's about the king. It's about the kingdom. It's about going after those lost sheep and bringing them in. I'm telling you that average, ordinary, everyday people are who change the world. Jesus chose ordinary fishermen. He chose a tax collector, you know, a, a reformed mafia guy. He, he, chose, he chose ordinary guys to come in and simply let the Spirit of God lead them and love them and change them so that they would change the world. I want to notice that empty seat. I want to be willing to carry that one. Stand up if you agree, and that's your prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I love that. I love God. I love the way He does things. I'm so grateful. He just gave me a glimpse. And, and, and like I said, there's all kinds. Every one of you are part of a story. Like I said, Mordecai Ham led Billy Graham to the Lord. There's a guy who led Mordecai Ham to the Lord, and, and it was uh, D.L. Moody who led that guy. D.L. Moody led this guy to the Lord. This guy led Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham led. You know, it's just we don't know. It goes all the way back to Jesus. Whoever led you to the Lord, it goes all the way back to Jesus. And God's in control of that. But you can be a part of it. Don't be the link in the chain where it stops. And say, God, we want to be used of you. Yes, yes, we may never see it. We may never know the results, but you do. And I want to do my part. I want to I sow. I want to water. I want to till the soil. And God will bring the increase. Father, I pray that you'd anoint us in Jesus' name to represent you well. You said... You said that you would send us as witnesses into Jerusalem and into Judea and into Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, give us, equip us, anoint us. We, we receive, we hear the calling uh, to represent you well. We want to be instant, ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us and to do it with grace. Lord, thank you, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.